My name is Michael Jordan. I play professional basketball for the Chicago Bulls. 32 seconds to go. A one-point lead for Georgetown. Guarding the block. The tie, 18. Shot, Jordan! Michael Jordan! If I had to trace my evolution, um, the Michael Jordan evolution, it always had to start back in college. Hitting a shot against Georgetown in 1982 when I really didn't know exactly what I was doing. North Carolina has won the 1982 NCAA championship. It awakened uh, a person inside of me to excel, to compete, to excel, to be one of the best or be the best. That drove me. And I guess with that shot, it kind of ignited a fire inside of me that nothing was going to stop me. What is up, everyone? Jason Vest of the After Red Podcast. And, of course, that was the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan. A lot of arguments possibly should do a podcast getting some experts in there to sort that out for us but look I was a kid that grew up emulating the fadeaway tongue hanging out could never dunk well I got a couple dunks in uh best jump maybe two or three in practice never in a game but anyways yeah you might be thinking why is Michael Jordan on the intro of the podcast Uh, I wish that I could say MJ was on this episode. However, uh, the spirit, the essence of MJ, being the greatest of all time, uh, is what these episodes are all about. And so essentially what I have done is for episode 23, I have highlighted the best of the best speakers, uh, people that I've had interviewed on the show, uh, some sound bites from all of their episodes. Uh, now, I just want you to understand that this is not the beginning of the end. Uh, you are going to be pleasantly surprised by the guest uh, that we have on the show for you in the coming months. But in an effort to really uh, remind people some of the great things that have been done and have been talked about from my guest over the past year, uh, I really wanted to launch something Uh, on, uh, at least in this area's uh, first day back to school. So I really hope you enjoy this, even if you're not catching it back on the first day, if you've started, or if you're listening to this uh, a little bit after. um, These are some of the best uh, quotes from all of my guests, and I really hope that you enjoy this. It was awesome. And one of the coolest thing was that, you know, all those people leaving comments, they wanted to help the kids in my class. And it was the first time that I realized that like people generally want to help kids. They, they want to do right. They want to make their education better than the education that they have working and improving what's not or fixing what's not. And so it's not just one shot, you know, that's why I love design thinking. And that's why they use it at Facebook and Apple and Whole Foods and Amazon and all these different places because if you want to uh, really achieve something great beyond kind of the status quo, you're probably not going to get it on your first shot. Can't say I agree with you enough. <laughs> and, 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 and yet uh, I, that mindset you have is because you want to also take responsibility for your child's education as well. And, and I think that that also needs to be a part of the mind shift too, that um, too many people, and I don't mean this in a mean way, I just mean this realistic way, too many people think that education is the state's job. It is not. 
It is the parent's job with help from the state. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing that keeps me up at night and the thing, one of the reasons why I do this class is that in the next five years, we're going to have complete swaths of occupations that are going to be exiting or hurt significantly. We're living in a new world of, um, freelance entrepreneurialism and finding opportunities where there aren't none. The, the quiet, complacent student who is just, they do what they're told, it's dead. It's dead. Yeah. No one wants to hire that. All companies now have to adapt or die. And if our students know how to look for opportunities, they're an invaluable source. So if you want to get your kid ahead of the line, if you want to get your kid ahead of it, like they're the, they're, because not every kid needs to be an entrepreneur. That's fine. But when your kid can see things ahead of time, when they are innovative, they can see pattern recognition. Um, they're the most valuable ones of all. And um, the sit back and let's watch things happen uh, that we have right now is just not gonna is gonna cut it. And it's. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers, but here's my idea. I think we have to go back to the basics of what we know to be the purpose of education, right? A public education is it economic growth? Is it social justice? Is it personal fulfillment? Uh, is it civic involvement? I would argue it's all of the above, right? Yeah. Um, and as we look at um, jobs of the future, we don't quite know what those are. And it, it's become a complex problem, right, uh, for educators, because I think we're at a crossroads. And when I think about something that you're doing in your classroom regarding design thinking, to me, that's problem solving, right? Yeah. That's that's immersing students uh, in a concept and being centric about it and, you know, targeted. That's giving students a chance to be creative or inventive or, or innovative, not inventive, but innovative, where they're able to define and, you know, you know, brainstorm ideas about what they want to do. And then you're giving them a chance to create working solutions um, and allowing them to, to implement. To me, from what I know, what I've, you know, learned over the last, you know, I guess decade, if you will, um, about this whole futuristic piece. Um, you know, many people like to call it the 21st century. We want to be able to prepare kids for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And I argue that began in, two, that, you know, really 1999. When are we going to get there? Sure. <laughs> so what was your first reaction when Bradley came home and told you about this class that he was <laughs> going to be a part of? Uh, in innovation and literacy, yeah. well, I mean, it was interesting. I, I think, like, you, like, like Nancy said, it's like this bits and pieces of it. It's like, well, I'm working with a group and we're starting a company. I was like, oh, okay. And and what's this company gonna do? Well, you know, we're gonna make something. And oh, okay. And at first, it, I really didn't put two and two together. And so he started asking more and more questions, and he started looking on the computer for stuff and. You know, we got to come in that night to the open house, and you explained more about it. I was like, okay, so this is this is different. Uh-huh. This has never been done before. So this is kind of out of our, our norm for classes. But I think he's excited. He's really enjoyed it. And he always says, this is, you know, on the days that he doesn't have this class, you know, and uh, he'll say something like, you know, I wish it was the next day because that's the better day. That's the day I have invention. I can go in and, 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 and look at different options. So... <laughs> Like, what is the first step that a teacher should take to 
to make this journey, to the first step to get started? Well, we'll go back to what you, you know, what you had asked earlier about what are we asking, what are sort of barriers in some ways. I would say, you know, the best way you can let go of the fear and control, you know, component to, to your, whether it's your classroom, your department, your building, you know, or your district, I, I think is a really important piece. I mean, we, we have that kind of fail forward motto and culture here now. You know, and, and we tell our teachers, like, you know, you want to take care of this and try something, you know, do it. We're not going to have to go under the bus for it. You know, and if, hey, if it impacts scores, if it impacts scores, we'll go back and revisit, you know. And, and so I think, you know, from a, from a, a micro level, just kind of stepping out and fear and control piece. And, and I think to help with that, reach out. I, I mean, I, I didn't get here, you know, we as a district, I mean, we spent, we, we always joked with, and I got here five years ago, and like our teachers didn't have laptops. Yeah, it's about trust. We've lost that. And if we, I mean, how wonderful for you that you have that environment and that your administration recognizes it. Give me a chance. And you might fail on some things, but look what the kids are doing. Yeah. The idea of being entrepreneurs, especially now, this is what businesses want. They want people that think on their own and um, not just yes men, you know, just not saying I'll do whatever you tell me because that's not going to work anymore. And so I'm, I'm excited about your. Um, and in my opinion, we don't allow for them to actually work on these skills because we're so content driven and in you know, in fairness to teachers, they feel obligated that they have to cover, you know, this content or curriculum that we never actually take a step back and let them sort of just figure it out. Our teachers are going through a lot. I mean, much, much more is expected of a teacher today than it was when I started. This is my 21st year. And it was it was much easier when I started teaching. And it's just so much more on the teacher's plate. And I think we have to make sure we're taking care of our teachers because a lot of times, I mean, people, the majority, almost all teachers go into it and they, they, they enjoy working with kids and they don't mean to snap or do those things, but they're under such enormous stress and they're fighting battles themselves. And, you know, there there's so many demands placed on them. And... You know, so I think it goes both ways. In other words, we have to take care of our teachers. We take care of our students. And it's, it's tough because people are hurting out there. And if, until we really recognize that and try to help them, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get pushed down. I would actually say treating people how they, how, how you feel that they deserve to be treated. So treating them more, more fair than equal mm-hmm. but then to take that even a step further is you know when you got people that are going to take a risk they're going to take a chance they're willing to fall on their face because they're trying something new that's when leadership needs to stand up to say yes that's great job and you know what i know it didn't work out but but let's reflect and let's talk about that what would you do differently next time and so you continuously try to support and encourage that person that's trying new things rather than the person that for the last decade 
they've opened up their filing cabinet. They've pulled out May 7th, and that's what they do on May 7th. Sure, that's a great question. And, um, you know, to, I'll hit it right from the get-go. What drives so much of what we do right now? It's the structure, the testing, and the system that we have set up. You know, I'll hear quite often educators say, you know, I'd love to do these amazingly innovative things, but we have to take a test at the end of the year. So let me address that from two ends. One is I understand because I've been there. I've been the district leader. I've been the principal. I've been the teacher administering. I get it. And it's a reality. And that's not something that's going away in the near future. You know, I'm not going to take the mindset of, well, nothing matters. Ignore the test. Who cares? Because on my end, that's just negligence. Like, that's one of the ways that we're measured by society at this point in time. Now, I'm not saying that it's, it's the way it all should be by any means. I think under ESSA, I think things will change a little bit, but things like standardized testing are not going away. You know, what's interesting is I took standardized tests as a second grader over 30 years ago. You know, so inherently, in and of itself, those kinds of things aren't necessarily bad. The premise being, you know, a fourth grader in Texas and a fourth grader in New York should be roughly at the same point. But the downside is how political they become, how anxious students are, how much pressure we put on, those kinds of things themselves. So that often becomes a stumbling block for I would love to do this, but... So my mind shift should be, it should be a yes and. I think when we make the argument that, you know, I can't do any innovative things, I've got to just teach this exact curriculum because of the test, I think that's more of a mindset problem than a testing problem. And so to address that in a second way, what can we do in classrooms to give kids dynamic and personal and authentic learning experiences? So what's the difference to get to the heart of your question? When I think of the industrial model, it's very teacher-centric, stand and deliver methodology, kids often in rows in terms of the learning spaces, um, the kind of the job of the teacher in that realm is I share the content. Your job as the student is to learn the content and share it back to me to show your knowledge. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think the, the world is changing and therefore education needs to change along with it. Um, I like what I've seen with kind of firsthand experience and uh, putting students in positions where they can actually try things out, um, be innovative, uh, fail in a way. One of the things that uh, at some point in time, for me, it may not be for everyone, but at some point in time, education was kind of just like formal education, especially higher education, was kind of a check off a box, right? So I get a degree in X, and I'm, I have no clue. I, the, the degree lets me check off the box that I have the degree in X. So when I go to my first day in the company, I have no clue what I'm doing. No. And so I've spent, you know, five, four, four plus years of getting a check off a box. So my first day in company X, having to learn the job, right? If you make failure such a big deal, as, you know, our school system doesn't, doesn't train people to, to treat fa- failure as they step forward. It's, we treat failure as a step backward. So if you don't have a healthy relationship with failure, you are going to get very easily discouraged in the entrepreneurial process because every day you have new ideas, new strategies you want to implement, and you try them and they don't work. Well, I think being a connected educator, um, once you you become connected with others, um, you're able to have 
many different champions uh, behind you. And that's so important because when a teacher is struggling, when a, a teacher, and teachers struggle every day, even the students had spent a couple months working with an artist named Brooke Inman to design icon iconography and a, um, to represent the data set of every student in the school, how they got to school, and where they went on campus. And they chose shoes as representations of these data sets. So over the span of the week, every student at Henrico High School held a squeegee, created a screen print, and printed enough shoes to represent every student on campus um, awesome. and then we installed this with the kids on a large mural it's eight by 20 feet which will then go back to school and be hung between their two cafeterias so it was for the students by the students their idea their printing their final project um, and that's really where we're seeing the richness and the potential and the spark for kids to see themselves as successful artists, as people who could make a living making something. So in, in my experience, when children are very interested in something, they, they want to do a deep dive into it. And so if you create uh, learning experiences where each child has freedom within that learning experience to, to dive deeply into what they find very, very meaningful for them, they tend to, to really work hard and explore and learn a lot more than if they have an assign, you know, a particular assignment that doesn't really resonate with them. So because we have so many stimulating um, activities going on, you know, going on around the children, they sort of spontaneously, because they maintain their curiosity, do these individual deep dives into what they like to do. Well, school has worked for me. I tend to test well, but I think what motivates me to go to my classes or actually learn all the components, example, my circuits class or any of my engineering classes, is actually the design projects I'm involved in. It's the motivation that everything I learn right now in class actually applies to my project that's a lot more relevant to the world um, that actually helps me be good at school. So I think um, it's not two separate things that I'm good at school and that um, I'm involved in innovation. I think it's that um, the idea that I get to do more with what I learned is what motivates me to be good at school to begin with. You, you give everybody the benefit of the doubt. You don't just hear the first song on an album and say, no, nah, I can't listen to this anymore. No, nah, that's not fair. You know, it's never, that's not fair. You know, I always, because you never know, you know, the whole picture, you know, that's like, uh, that's like going to a art gallery and there's a whole, you know, this gallery, this gallery is pretty vast, but you walk in and take a look at the first two pieces that you can come in contact with and say, no, I'm not going to look at the rest of the pieces in here. Even though, like, it may be telling a complete story that can wrap all the way around to make those first two pieces that you might not have thought you would be interested in. You might now be interested in them because now this is a complete story. This you can, uh, there's a lot of things we're trending in education, everything from passion projects, project-based learning, maker education. And one thing that I started to kind of bridge and grow into myself is is moving past the whole concept of simply maker space but focusing on rather maker education we have a maker space in our school and i was part of that committee that really led that initially we received a, an enormous grant that was split between three schools so a forty-five thousand dollars grant 
and and um, we were really fortunate to receive that. We had everything laid out, um, the vision for it, and included other people from the school to be able to contribute their voices to it as well. And one thing that we've seen is that a lot of people were eager to go explore the makerspace, but I think that without the underlying foundational understanding of the purpose and how to intentionally interweave success skills of learning um, and learning objectives even for students, I think that sometimes we tend to miss the point as educators. And I think we really have to be careful that it doesn't simply become a place where kids play only. And not to say we don't learn through playing, so I want to be careful there. We, we certainly, kids, adults, we all learn through play, but there also has to be a purpose behind what we're doing at times, too. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I said, um, my goal is, is to, to um, make my school the place that everybody wishes they sent their kid to. And then, in, in turn, every teacher should make their classroom the place that every kid wishes they were in, you know, and, and um, if you have a, a building full of those type of experiences happening every day, um, got some good things going on. So when I think about preparing kids for the future, I want kids who can think. Um, and so helping teachers differentiate, we get to really working on our questioning. One of the best ways I feel like to tap into kids and getting them thinking is how we pose questions. When you think about the big problems in the world around us, whether it is something related to cybersecurity, I was just writing an article for, for ACTE's Techniques Magazine, so my mindset is really into this whole concept of smart cities and what travel is going to look like in just a few years and flying cars through VTOLs with Uber, ride-sharing, all these different pieces and how we're becoming so interconnected. So there's a lot of big problems that can occur, and it, not just there, but within our healthcare systems, within thinking about even solutions to getting it to Mars. All those things require STEM solutions. So science, technology, engineering, engineering and math are huge, and they really are subject areas that can be incorporated into every content area.